This is The Guardian. I'm Laura Murphy-Oates, and this is The Full Story. After 37 years on television, tonight, Australia's longest-running drama will end. I don't think there can ever be another show like Neighbours. I, I just don't think that that is where the industry is at here. So, Anna, you are a Neighbours fan, a Neighbours historian, some would say. (laughs) Would you claim that title? I wouldn't. I I don't think my brain is big enough to fit in all of the Neighbours history. Writer Anna Spargo-Ryan previously worked on Neighbours, but her relationship with the show started much earlier. Like many people in Australia and the UK, she also grew up watching it. So Neighbours is, I guess, one of two beloved soaps that Australia has, the other being Home and Away. Um, It's very much a suburban soap opera. It's a bunch of people who more or less all live in the same street and just do kind of quite suburban things, but in a soap opera way. So they mostly just go to work and school and then occasionally a tornado comes. And that's sort of the premise of the show. Neighbours has a special place in many people's hearts and has launched the careers of some of Australia's biggest stars. In the past, in the 90s, I guess, some of what happened in Neighbours, especially as an export to the UK, became a way to understand what was going on in Australian culture. I think it better represented, at that time, some of the zeitgeist. But it was also, for much of its history, a show that didn't reflect the diverse population of Australia. And in recent years, it's faced accusations of racism on set. So now that the show is ending, we're taking a look at the highs and lows, the celebrity appearances, the controversies and the zaniest plot twists of Neighbours. Today, the end of Neighbours. It's Thursday, the 28th of July. I want to delve into where this whole phenomenon began. Can you tell me a bit about the origins of Neighbours? Hello. Hi, my name's Ramsey, Shane Ramsey. Yes, Mr Ramsey. So Neighbours started on Channel 7 in 1985. Uh, we're having a Bucks party for a mate tonight. I was wondering if you'd be available. What do you want done? Oh, just a bit of dancing, you know. I'll give you the address. Yeah. And it was not a ratings hit. Mm. After that, Channel 10 bought it. I don't know on what basis they thought it would be successful, but it clearly was, and it has run on Channel 10 since then. Mm. We had the best time, didn't we, Danny? Charlene, where have you been? Westerners dancing. Do you realise what time it is? It's 11.30. And it has also been running in the UK uh, since 1986. So it has very much been a cross-continental show for almost its entire run. I think at one level it was designed to be consumed by UK audiences. Mm. It was created by Reg Watson, who was a prolific Australian writer, producer, and he had had success with a show called Sons and Daughters. And I think, or the speculation, I guess, was that he then created Neighbours off the back of that success, that he could see the value in a show that was the dynamic between different people. And that was sort of the origin of what Neighbours was. Charlene! Charlie. I want to see you inside immediately. 
Your mum found out you skipped school today. Oh, terrific. Why didn't you tell me? I was going to. You dobbed me in. No, we didn't. We? Scott and I were coming home from school. Everybody needs good neighbours. The original theme song was recorded by Barry Crocker, who, of course, is something of his own Australian icon. Um, that one was on the show until 1992, and then there have been, I think, seven different iterations of it since then. Oh. And I think for anybody who's watched it for any significant amount of time, you can really pick the one that sits in your heart the most. Like, yes, that's my era of Neighbours when they had that song. And the same is true of the opening credits, the way they look. Like, oh, yes, that's the one when I was watching it with the most enthusiasm. Tell me about your experience with Neighbours. When did you get into it and, you know, how into it were you? Mm. I wasn't allowed to watch it when I was very small, so I think I sort of graduated from, like, play school to Neighbours, <laughs> which was, you know, which is a learning experience. I started really getting into it in the, the Billy and Anne era. Well, I don't know why you're so worried about it. Oh, come on, Billy, she's after you. You know that. Yeah, and... Why is it such a problem all of a sudden? And Jesse Spencer was on it when it was like the the street at that time was all share houses with lots of kind of friends who were slightly older than me and so they were a bit aspirational. They were all very hot and they just seemed to be having a good time all the time. I reckon going to uni is going to be a totally new life. Freedom, total freedom. Uh, harder stuff to study. Choose when to study. So that was when I started getting into it. Neighbours' sexy era, basically. Ah, like the shirtless spa era? (laughs) I'm not going skinny dipping, and you said you wouldn't pressure me. Oh, you tried everything you could to get me to strip off for your painting. I guess it was the late 90s when a lot of neighbours, I think they were trying to make it a bit more like Home and Away, and so they sexified it. Hey! Let's go! Come in, it's warmer. You're not just a fan. You did end up working on the show. Can you tell me about that? I did. I was a digital producer, social media person at Neighbours for two years. It was my dream job in that I had literally written it down on a piece of paper some years beforehand. So I was manifesting this job at some level. What was it actually like being on set? It was the most bizarre thing that has ever happened to me, I think. So I would be sitting at my desk and, you know, like Ryan Maloney, who played Toadie, would just walk past my office and there would be a moment where I would think, what's happening? What? Why is Toadie from the TV outside my office? This doesn't make any sense. <laughs> and it took, like, it was, it was genuinely discombobulating. Is it kind of like if your childhood imaginary friend was suddenly real and walking around, being able to hang out with Toadie Rebecca? Oh, my God. I guess it is like that. <laughs> Yes, I think, yes, that's actually a very good way to describe it. (laughs) Right, and it's not just, you know, you as a fan who got to visit the set. There was actually a Neighbours tour. Oh, it was extremely popular. I don't know if it was every day, but it felt like every day. It was largely UK fans and they came in a minibus that had, you know, Neighbours on the side that was covered in Neighbours imagery and they went on a tour of the lot Mm. and then... 
if you went on that tour, they also had a trivia night, a neighbour's trivia night. Um, so I went to that a couple of times as well, which was just just the most mega Neighbours fandom you can imagine. Just these people were just banging <laughs> for as much Neighbours as they could possibly consume. Did you find it a bit intimidating? You're like, oh, I'm paid to know this, but some people just have done their research. The main takeaway from the job that I had in particular, I think, was how much more they knew about it than anybody else in the studio. Yeah, just absolutely avid fans who knew things that you would never even think to try to remember had happened. And if you got that wrong, they would tell you. Can you remember any examples of that at all? The one that sticks out in my mind the most was that there was this character called Mark Brennan and he he died in the show, mm. but he was the hottest, I guess, the hottest character they'd ever had. He was very much shirtless and he was a cop and people loved the hot shirtless cop. And when he died a rumour started on the internet that he wasn't really dead and that he had gone into witness protection. Mm. And as far as anybody in the studio was concerned, he was really dead. Like, yeah, no, Mark Brennan definitely died. And I fought with many people on Twitter every single day about the fact that Mark Brennan was dead. And they would go, we know he's not dead because, and then they would list a whole lot of reasons why they had found evidence that he wasn't dead. (laughs) And... Eventually. I thought I was going crazy, but it was you at the lake. The decision was made internally that he was in witness protection and that we were going to bring him back. You were dead. Toadie saw the photos. I faked it. And I had to then go back to Twitter and be like, okay, so uh, turns out you were right. He was in witness protection and he is alive. <laughs> Set the whole thing up to keep me safe. Photos, everything. I thought I'd lost you forever. But it's a testament to the fandom, right, that they, they may have actually influenced the course of the plot. Absolutely. And there are lots of examples where things have happened in the show that have been a nod to the fans mm. and that they have gone, and, and like I've seen on Twitter where someone has gone, oh, that was because we talked about X or, like, in our neighbour's podcast we were saying that should happen and now they've given some nod in one way or another. It's a relationship that goes back and forth. It was. In the end it really had become a two-way conversation Mm. between the show and the fans. Neighbours has launched some of Australia's biggest stars in music and in acting. Probably one of the biggest names is our Kylie, Kylie Minogue. Can you tell me about her time on the show and the character that she played? Charlene! Yeah, so our Kylie played a character called Charlene. Charlene Mitchell. What on earth do you think you're doing? I was trying to get in and he jumped me. I was only out the back. Are you all right, Scott? Yeah, terrific, thanks. Sorry, Scott. And she was this obviously tiny tomboy. She was uh, feisty and she was the things, I guess, that you imagine an 80s tomboy to be. She was like, I guess, the girl who didn't have any girlfriends. She was one of the guys. She was mm. that kind of character. And she was she was tough. She Then she trained as a mechanic. That was sort of central to her storyline. Mm. Can you pass me that spanner? Get it yourself. Isn't this unusual that a woman is a mechanic and she always wore overalls and she, you know, was wearing, like, baggy shirt? Sounds silly. It's like her first day of kindergarten. She wore overalls then too. 
then she fell in love with Scott Robinson, who was Jason Donovan's character. Would you like to try for three broken ribs? <sighs> it makes you feel better. You just don't think I'm serious, do you? About what? About us. I mean, I really like you, Lenny. A lot of other girls leave me in the cold, but I think about you all the time. Keep going. And Scott and Charlene, I mean, even the names Scott and Charlene, which are always said together, <laughs> Scott and Charlene are one of, I think, Australia's most recognisable partnerships in, in Australian TV. Would you all please be upstanding? Scott and Charlene's wedding was real event TV. 20 million people watched that in the UK. walked down the aisle to Suddenly by Angry Anderson. And it was so culturally significant. Like, it really drew attention from people outside of Neighbours Watchers, which at that point, you know, it was only a new show then. This was only three years after it had started. So it was still building its mammoth Neighbours fan base that it eventually had. And this wedding was on the cover of newspapers and magazines. It was a really significant event. Yeah, I read that the song from the wedding suddenly also became a massive hit at the time. And I did go and look up this song yesterday and the first comment on the, the, the YouTube video was, I love the fact that someone called Angry Anderson released such a beautiful, heartfelt song. <laughs> this song hasn't dated at all, which I don't know whether everyone would agree with that. I mean, it's like modern-day Stranger Things putting Metallica on top or, or, or Kate Bush on top of the charts, right? Of course, Kylie eventually left to become Kylie. What happened to her character, Charlie? Lucky I looked under the dressing table. I would have gone without my gym boots. I will put them in a plastic bag first. Um, can you get me one? Yes, all right. I hope I've got everything. Kylie got offered a mechanics apprenticeship and, as with all Neighbours characters, it was in Queensland, so she had to move to Queensland, which is what Neighbours characters do. So a taxi comes and they take them to the airport and they go to Queensland. I'm just leaving so many people I love. Oh, you'll always find people who love you. You're that kind of girl. You'll make lots of new friends in Brisbane. I won't get a new mum, though. Well, I should certainly hope not. And then either they come back or they die. Like that's that's sort of the character arc for every neighbor's character. Queensland's like the version of oh, they're being sent to the farm, you know? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, Queensland is is neighbor's big farm in the sky, and or your Marlene who went on a cruise and just never came back. So those are your only two options. What were some other superstars that that came out of the show? Can you just run me through a, a, a list of people who have appeared on it that people might recognise? I mean, the most famous one is, I think, now Margot Robbie. Not that she's more famous than Kylie, but that she is, I think, the most famous example of someone who has gone from Neighbours to become very famous. Mm. You know, she became like Quentin Tarantino's muse, which is a really significant level of fame. Mm. So those early days, there were a few different people who came out of that. Guy Pearce was one of them. He played Mike Young at the same time. These are sort of the original cast members. Um, Russell Crowe was in Neighbours. Ben Mendelsohn was in Neighbours. Mm-hmm. Natalie Imbruglia was Beth in Neighbours for a couple of years. The first one that I really remember as a watcher was Delta Goodrum. Mm, me too. And she, yeah, she was placed in the show really to launch a music career 
her character Nina was a musician who was very shy and who wanted to play piano and sing but didn't really know if she could and um, her character trajectory was to become a successful famous singer so it was aligned with Delta Goodrum's ambition of becoming a famous successful singer I guess. Right, and this is before, you know, Australia's got talent. Mm. What's the singing one called? Yeah, like X Factor. and X Factor and things like that. So you had to go to Neighbours to launch your career then. Yeah, you didn't have right. all the reality TV shows. <laughs> no, that's right. You couldn't take these shortcuts. You had to invest in an acting career before you could become a singer. So the show hasn't just launched stars that have gone on to other things, but the actual main characters are kind of mainstays in people's imagination of Australia, really. You've mentioned Todi Rebecca. Are there any other notable characters that should be added to that list? The big businessman Paul Robinson, hey? Yeah, so Paul Robinson is the big one for me. That's what being successful is all about. You can have it. You don't have to worry, Shane, because you're never going to be successful at anything. And he's the only character who, this week when the show ends... He's the only original character still in it. And he wasn't in it that whole time. He did take a break from the show, but he was in the first season and the last season. Wow. Please, Paul. He has been the most, in my mind, the most soap-like. Everything between us is over. (laughs) Please, Paul, I love you. So Neighbours is, as a suburban soap, can be... It can go through periods of being less dramatic. You know, people still have to go to their jobs and they become the mayor or they, um, you know, they go to high school and they have bullying as a problem. And there's things that are a bit more everyday, I guess. Paul Robinson has hardly ever done things that are everyday things. He's like, he's killed people. His son was a murderer. He's got children that were secret children he never knew. And he had identical twins where one was evil and he's had six wives seven children. He has been an arsonist. He set fire to the Lassiter's complex for an insurance scam He and somebody <laughs> somebody died and, and then his niece was murdered in cold blood as a revenge killing for the killing that he did and that his every sort of soap trope, if you'll excuse the rhyme, has applied to Paul Robinson, which I love about him. Mm. And then I guess the two other mainstays that you just cannot go past are... Susan! Susan! What's the matter? Are you all right? Carl and Susan Kennedy. I got a message at the surgery that to come home urgently. What's wrong? Does there have to be something wrong for me to want to see you urgently? And they are the beating heart of Ramsey Street. I was wondering if you would do me the honour of becoming my wife. Again. <gasps> Three times has got to be lucky. <laughs> yes. And I am such a big fan of Susan Kennedy. Oh. Susan was this warm uh, kind of moral compass for the street who took in kids that needed help and who gave and gave and gave to all of her neighbours and was very neighbourly and I guess in that sense really typified what the show was about. I think Susan Kennedy in particular will really live on in people's memories of what made this such a such a lovely show. The bits of it that made it a warm and inviting show was so much Susan Kennedy. You've kind of touched on there with Paul Robinson's many zany character arcs, but there were some incredible turns of events in this soap opera over the years. I mean, what were some of the crazier moments or the more um, far-fetched writing that that you can remember? (laughs) 
So there was one with Susan Kennedy who slipped on some milk and hit her head and she had retrograde amnesia. Come on, sweetheart. Hop in the car. I'll take you home. Susan. You stay away from me. You stay away from me. Susan. And she thought that she was a teenager and at the time was the principal of the high school mm. and uh, and was at the school then thinking she was a student. <laughs> and, yeah. No, 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 he's all right. He's here. He's here somewhere. He has to be. And then the other one was the most famous one probably, which is um, Harold going missing at sea. Inspired by Harold Holt, the Australian PM, I imagine. I assume so. <laughs> Harold! Answer me, love! And then he turned up years and years later. Yes. Nice, isn't he? What's his name? Um, oh, Ted something or other. Why do you ask? Having then been found working in a Salvation Army store and calling himself Ted. He looks so much like Harold Bishop. Who's he? Oh, just someone I knew once. His wife, um, Madge was, you know, amazed to see him back. And then he kind of just integrated back into normal society. (laughs) Next, did neighbours ever really represent life in this country? I wonder if you saw the show change in the way that the characters were written in the way that the plot lines were written and also changed to reflect society after running, you know, more than 30 years? What what were those big differences? I think there was a point at which Neighbours, rather than predicting and leading what we understood about culture and society, that it started to lag on it and it didn't reflect what Australian society really looked like and it never had really Um, But as the conversation around what Australian society looked like and, you know, what multiculturalism looked like and what what Australia's role in helping asylum seekers looked like and what having lots of different languages in Australia looked like and what Indigenous rights looked like and all of these things, as they evolved and that conversation changed, neighbours didn't change fast enough. Mm. And I think that was an issue on screen and off screen. And I was there when the first um, Indian family were introduced and um, even though the family was, you know, they were part of the street, they were involved in what was going on, there was a lot of criticism and some of it later came from the actors themselves, a lot of criticism around the tokenistic way in which it was portrayed, which, again, was on and off screen. It was in the way that the actors themselves were treated within the studio and also in the way that they were integrated into the show. And then were subsequently they subsequently left the show earlier than what was anticipated. I did speak to the actor Maine Wyatt, who was the first Aboriginal actor to join the main cast, and he did say that kind of tried to tick a bunch of boxes with his casting. You know, he was Aboriginal, his character was gay, I think also a veteran, and that doesn't really feel like the right way to go about achieving greater diversity on Neighbours, right? No, like diversity bingo or like do it in the most efficient way possible, which of course doesn't feel authentic. Mm. And especially, you know, you've got an entirely white cast with, you know, that one Vietnamese actor. And you know, well, I mean... 
it's very obvious that you haven't created a diverse experience or story or culture here. So last year, several former Neighbours actors came out and alleged that they had experienced racism on set, including the frequent use of racial slurs. In response, the television show's production company said they would conduct an independent review and Network 10 came out and said they don't tolerate racist behaviour, etc. I know that that moment did make me feel differently about this show. Do you think that many fans felt the same, Anna? I think I would be worried if they didn't. And I think there's no excuse for running a show in that way. Um, I think part of the reason that the show has become less popular is because it doesn't reflect what people are talking about. It doesn't reflect what people are concerned about in society and culture as much as it should. Mm. And there are other shows that are prioritising this kind of diversity and inclusivity and fairness and things that are really important. Um, so, you know, in that sense, I wouldn't, I would be, I would be surprised and worried if fans didn't feel like, hey, that's not something that I'm okay with. Yeah, when I think of Neighbours Now, I almost think of it as kind of showing the myth of Australia that we had in the 90s, rather than what it ever really was, right? Yeah, it's almost in some ways like a tourism ad, I think. Long-running Australian soap Neighbours is fighting for survival after the channel that airs it in Britain announced it's being dumped from its schedule. Its only hope seems to be finding a new international broadcast partner. Well, it's official after 37 years and nearly 9,000 episodes, Neighbours is coming to an end. Production company Fremantle has been unable to find another British broadcast partner. So in three months, the actors... So, Anna, when did we hear that Neighbours was going to be cancelled and why is it being cancelled? Well, the thing about Neighbours is that the primary reason that it's still been on Australian TV is because of how well supported it is in the UK. So the primary audience for Neighbours for at least the past 10 years has been the UK and the numbers over there are about like they have been for some time, five or six times the audience size in the UK as they are here. Mm. So Neighbours relied on having that UK support in order to be able to pay for its production. And Channel 5 over there pulled the plug um, in February and announced that they wouldn't be airing it any longer and that therefore meant that all that funding was gone. And there was a lot of fan push to save it. There was, you know, there were lots of campaigns like save Neighbours, come on, we need it. And uh, it just didn't find its saviour. So Channel 5 went ahead with cancelling it and that unfortunately meant that it did have to wrap up. There was that there's not enough audience uh, here in Australia to sustain it. Do you remember when you found out that it was being cancelled and how you felt? Yeah, I found out that day because people that I had worked with at Neighbours were all talking about it, of course, and people I really, really like and respect who lost their jobs. And, you know, the reality of it, the realer part of it, which is not the nostalgic, oh, Neighbours is sad, is that still on TV? I didn't even know kind of part of it is that it's a reflection as well of the quite dire state of the arts in Australia. And Neighbours is a show that unlike most of what 
people can do working in TV in this country now, whether they're a writer or a producer or a production assistant, whatever they are, that there aren't those opportunities for long-term career progression in the way that there are in these very long-running shows. And with mm-hmm. Neighbours ending, that represented the loss of a whole lot of that kind of activity or opportunity, mentoring, just knowledge as well, all of those decades of knowledge in one place. And so that part of it felt kind of, you know, quite vitally sad to me, losing a a big chunk of the industry in that way. When those final credits roll for the final time, what do you think you're going to be feeling, Anna? Yeah, I think sad. It it really is the end of an era. It has that feeling about it, whether you like it or hate it or are indifferent towards it. It's something from before. So, you know, Neighbours is representative of something that has come with us on this journey into a future that is uncertain and with it gone, we're on our own. That was Anna Spargo-Ryan, a freelance writer. Her autobiography, A Kind of Magic, is out on the 5th of October. She's also written a guide to the 10 best characters from Neighbours and is writing about the final episode tonight as well. You can find all of that at theguardian.com. This episode was produced by Joe Koning, who also did the sound design and mixing. The executive producers of Full Story are Miles Martignoni, Gabrielle Jackson, Molly Glassie and me, Laura Mefios. If you liked this episode, you can leave a rating or a review on various podcast apps. It does help other people find the show. Okay, thanks for listening and catch you tomorrow.